I'm seated across from a fetal alcohol baby. <laughs> the one and only. This is Storytime with Dave. Welcome. I'm your host, Dave. And I'm your co-host, Rachel. I'll You'll speak when prompted. <laughs> Don't just start talking. See, this is why it's so hard to work with people with mental deficiencies, like very <laughs> significant mental deficiencies. And if I can go back in time... I would just plead with my mother, don't drink so much during pregnancy. Luckily, I wasn't subjected to that while in utero. Is that what they call it? Yeah, whatever. When I was in the womb, I w my mom learned from her horrible mistakes with my sister that heavy drinking is not something that you want to do while you're pregnant. So if I can go back, that's what I would tell my mom. I would say, just take it easy, man. I know you like your wine. That's the funny thing, too, about our parents is they don't drink, but clearly they used to a lot before before we were cognizant human beings. You know, we'll talk about um, this will be an episode about health because, Rachel, you're a nutritionist, you know, so. Um, if you all have noticed by now or haven't noticed, I don't know. I'm letting him speak because I'm the calm one and I don't get angry. Like none of this stuff irks me, you know, like it used to. But now that I'm like I've dialed everything in, even my medication, which we should talk about that. I'm so chill. We'll talk about the medication. <laughs> I don't even know why that's funny. Can you tell that I'm like a lot more chill? No. So here's what I want to say. Um, well, I'm, I'm the chillest one in the family. We both get that from dad. Yes, you are the chillest one. I'm the chillest one. And um, I learned a lot, a lot from you. And like, I'm okay with you calling me a fetal alcohol baby. <laughs> <laughs> because I will fully admit that I do have my flaws. If that's from mom drinking, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> cool. This is good. We're off to a good start. Um, so, you know, but this is the other thing about we have a family. We're from a family. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Stop it. We live in a society, okay? And we have a family within the society. And we're Americans. Okay? What I was going to say is we have a family that's full of smart people who are very dumb. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, 100%. Wait, you, I'm... Okay, here's the way we're doing this, just so the audience knows. Mm -hmm. I'm holding the microphone like it's a microphone. It's a recorder. There's only one. Usually what I would do is just put it in between us and turn up the receiving volume of it. But I forgot to bring the thingy that I stand it on. And so for that reason, I'm going to just point the mic in your direction. Or we could sit there yeah, and I can kind of lean it off the table. It's better because it's more fluid that way. We're going to do that. Hang on one sec, audience. Okay. Time passed, but not a lot of time. That took like 10 seconds. I paused the recording. The, you'll notice that the volume changed. The audience will notice that the volume changed. Not significantly, just a little bit. And now this way I don't have to point the 
the mic towards you and then towards me and we could just speak regularly. Now, what I was saying is we have a family of people who are like have Very high IQs. Yes. Let's not use that word intelligence. <laughs> I think they've proven that they don't deserve that title. Yeah. And there's something about it's NPR people and they go, oh, I listen to NPR. <laughs> I'm very smart. Our whole family. Yeah, and they listen. They go, oh, I, I turn on NPR and they say all the things that I think. So I know that I'm smart. <laughs> that's a good accent. Well, that's what they, they're like, oh, yeah, I listen to NPR. <laughs> yeah. They, that's how they talk on NPR. On NPR, they're like, um, <clears throat> yeah, they're like, oh, that's, yeah, that's, uh, I don't know. It, that's exactly I could do a better one NPR of the women point. talks like that. But Terry Gross, yeah, yes, oh, yeah. That that's very interesting. Um, <laughs> yeah. Oh, that that's yes, that's so right. <laughs> Thanks for bringing that up. Basically, what what Dave is saying is that we have a family that is made up of lawyers and and teachers a lot of lawyers and like a lot of lawyers and people that and business, owners, business yes. owners people that you would think on the surface are very smart right and the problem is that me and dave are the only intelligent ones no we're like the only dissenters let's not put ourselves on a pedestal okay the point is that we're the only ones who see are managing to see through this yes which and is is a pretty um it's a pretty important, you know, barometer to judge someone's. I mean, like, if you are, it's like, they, there's, I don't know what it is. Maybe they're too smart. When you get too smart, I think, and then you think very highly of your own intelligence and you become high status in society, such as being a lawyer or a CEO. No, you, you're like way less likely to acknowledge that you've been bamboozled, such as, you've become a part of a mass psychosis because, because that's not, what's going on right now is a mass psychosis because none of them, including mom and dad are willing to admit that they don't, everything they've known is wrong because it's scary. And so yeah, they, not even everything they've known, but just what they've known for the past year and a half. Yeah. It could be outside of that. They could be very, you know, they could still be intelligent on all, on all these other things. It's just that they they, this is like a huge blind spot. And also, like, I must say that for me, I get, I can see how I get, like, gaslit a lot in our family. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they think they can take advantage of you. They can. Because they know about your fetal baby alcoholism. <laughs> yes, but you're what, a lot what, stronger than what me. What would you say? Yeah, I have to, sometimes I have to That's defend you. That's why I'm you. so happy I have you because I don't think, I think I would have become, I think I would have like become indoctrinated because I would have believed from all the gaslighting that I was wrong. Well, luckily for us with the timing, well, mostly luckily for you, but also for me, it was like the timing of it. Like I started learning about the JFK stuff. I always tell people about the JFK stuff. That's yeah. how you enter into the world. Everyone has an entry point. It could be like the federal reserve. It could be nine 11. It's got to be something more basic and where there's a lot of evidence. And so it's an easy entry point to get into this other realm 
where you're seeing things more for what they are. And just the timing of it, like I was already on the road there before all the COVID started. I Anyone mean, who was already there before COVID started could snap out of the mass psychosis pretty quickly. Yeah, because they saw it. I didn't even know I was on the road there, but actually nutrition was my entry point. Yeah, well, that too, because the whole health infrastructure is is just it's big business. Connected. It's the medical industrial complex. That's what I call it. And then you educated me that it actually is all connected with the Rockefellers and the Rothschilds and all of that. The Flexner Report. I think I've told my audience about that, but I could I could talk about it, but not right now. There's too much. There's like so much. There's involved. so much. Well, it's like the the um like we're bombing Somalia right now. You didn't even know that. No, I did because you mom did. and dad talk about it. Yeah, so that's interesting that they even know that but because a lot of people they, who like Biden, bad. it's not bad. From, you know. With, oh, is with, that what they say? That's yeah. what the NPR minds are saying. Well, that's because they're warmongers. I mean, they are by accident, though, because they buy this. I mean, it's like the whole idea that we would somehow have to bomb Somalia out of like compassion. It's like one of the poorest nations in the world, if not the poorest nation in the world. I don't even know like anything about it. It's Why called like Al-Shabaab. It? It's just their version of like Al-Qaeda or whatever. Who even really knows? See, I was reading, I'm reading this book called Confessions of an Economic Hitman. It's really good. These guys are like operatives and they work for corporations though, but the corporations are linked to the state. Mm -hmm. That's what people don't understand. Anyway, because they want to say all these things like, oh, well, no, this company can make their own decisions because, and they try to relate it to the baker thing. You remember that? Where the baker didn't want to make a cake for a gay wedding? No. This happened like a few years ago. It went all the way to the Supreme Court. And this baker was like, I don't want to bake a cake for a gay wedding. A gay wedding because of my religious views. Okay. And it went all the way to the Supreme Court. I think he won the case. Mm hmm. And then people will invoke that same argument for things like Facebook and Twitter or whatever, gigantic multinational corporations. And they try, it's like they try to draw a comparison. But then when you look into these companies, you see that they're actually very linked to the government. So you can't make the argument that they're private no, companies it's all any a web. longer. It's all a web. They're a combination. They're mm -hmm. private and public. And some of them even like, you know, the CIA or whatever. It's not, but... A lot of times it's the CIA and they just happen to be in everything. And then they see something like that coming out, like like the whole idea of social media. And they're like, oh, we could use that. It's the same way they're involved in Hollywood. Because they're like, oh, lots of people watch these movies. We should put in some messaging in the it's movies. It's a vessel, yeah. Yeah, so when they see something like that being built up, they're like, oh, let's get some money over there. Let's get some of our people in on it. And then they do and they infiltrate it. And so that, It's really smart. It's really smart. But then when you find that out and that the government was involved in the early funding of things like Facebook, for example, then you're like, well, how could they make an argument that they're a private company right. if they were receiving public assistance from taxpayer money? So you can't make that argument anymore. No. What brought us to this? Somalia. Yeah. So oh, I forget what I was going to say about so it. So what's though. happening? So they we're just bombing them, but you wouldn't even have, most people don't know about it or haven't heard about it. Oh Why? yeah. But the, so the military industrial complex relies upon wars to make money. Yes. You told, you've told me this. So before. they want war. 
that's why they create things like things I won't talk about, but they create things that make it seem like they're, it's not the U.S. that's doing it. It's something that's happened to us from terrorism. Right, right. Right? Stuff yeah, like well, that. oh, they'll let things happen. I mean, this is even kind of before the military industrial complex, but like the, um, like FDR let Pearl Harbor happen. He just allowed it to happen. He knew it was going to happen. He wanted it to happen mm -hmm. as a pretense to get into the war. Okay. So he allowed thousands of American citizens to die. But it wasn't him. It was the people above him that are the master puppeteers, right? Perhaps. I mean, but either way, he knew. Yeah. And I mean, he allowed it to happen. Yeah. He could have made the call for them to be on high alert or to evacuate or whatever. But he did. Mm-hmm. Because he wanted a war. It's the same with the Gulf of Tonkin was a false flag. There was no attack in the Gulf of Tonkin. I don't but, even know what that is. Well, that what we use as a pretense to get into the Vietnam War. Oh, okay, okay. So they do all these things. It's like in World War One, it was like the sinking of the Lusitania. That had a bunch of weapons on it. Mm -hmm. So when the Germans sunk it, it wasn't like they were being... You know, they were kind of acting on, they, they warned the United States, they're like, you have to stop sending weapons mm -hmm. or we're going to sink the ships because they had their U-boats, which were submarines. They, they wanted the, to get into it. So they yeah. Did. So they're like, oh, it's fine. Yeah. Blow up the like, ships. See if we care. Favor. Yeah. So they didn't care. So anyway, the same way that the military industrial complex wants wars to make money is that the medical industrial complex wants sick people mm -hmm. to make money. Yeah. That's why I, I'm even starting to think that vaccines are were made to make people sick, but I'm not sure. All I'm going to say is Andrew, Dr. Andrew Wakefield. Andrew Wakefield's the man. He's the man. And well, we that, all need to support him. There's also Del Bigtree. Oh, and Del Bigtree, yeah. But they already talked, because they were already getting censored heavily in like when they came out with Vax. They're quacks, quote unquote. Sure, yeah. Didn't you talk about that? How it came about, that word? Yeah, I think I told them about that. Yeah. It just flipped. But that also has to do with the Flexner Report and the Rockefeller influence on the medical industrial complex, the beginning of it, modern right. medicine. Because before that, quackery was normal medicine. Yeah, so like modern science that we see today, I mean modern medicine, that was known as quack stuff. Right. In the early 1900s. Right. That they now And natural homeopathic medicine, more Eastern philosophy mm -hmm. of medicine was like the thing you want to do. Not that all that stuff was so smart either. Yeah. I mean, they would like leech people, bloodletting, blood yeah. things like that. That was pretty popular. But that's just one mm -hmm. thing. And then people can use that as a, uh, that's like when Scapegoat. people say, yeah, it's like when people say, um, They'll try to convince, or they'll try to compare this vaccine, these experimental mRNA therapeutics, which appear to act the opposite way that you want a therapeutic to act, because they don't seem to help at all. Actually, maybe they decrease hospitalizations and deaths. Maybe. Just but who even knows? Thing. See, this is the other thing. Like, If there is a Delta variant, what if the Delta variant is just less deadly? And then they'll say, see, the vaccines are working. Less people are dying. And you go, wait a minute. What if that's just because the virus is less deadly in this form? See, I don't even know if there's a Delta variant because I don't know if there's a COVID-19 to begin with. There is. They, they, I think because they, they've already, the crazy thing is like 
you know, how we were conspiracy theorists were saying that it was created in the lab. They literally have proven that it's created in the lab. And no one, like, really cares. Because no. they, they'd have to publicly Even, acknowledge that they were wrong. Even really not, wrong. Well, they do, but they don't acknowledge they were wrong. They're just like, oh, this is normal, though. This happens. Yeah, well, that's kind of like a defense mechanism, again, especially for intelligent people or people who think of themselves as intelligent. They have to, yeah, like our parents. <laughs> they have to... Um, they have to like so so when you face them with enough evidence like I I I always go back to JFK I hate how much I do that but I have to no but it's it, a lot of it started it's with relevant him. but that's the other thing like if I talk to one of them and then you put enough ev and then you go no well this and this and then I have questions and be like, well what about this what about they this and then you can kind of at the end the last defense their last stand is well what does it matter and that's when it's over. And you're like, it won't matter to them. It's circular arguments. Yeah, well, then that's just like, where do you even go from there? You're like, what do you mean it doesn't matter? Well, who cares? Wait, so you don't care that the most high-profile assassination of any president in the last 100 years was actually executed by elements of his own government? No, that doesn't matter. <laughs> you're like, all right, dude. I mean, what are you... <laughs> Like, literally, they... Okay, I just have a quick story, okay? Yeah. And, and just to preface this, guys, like, our parents are the best parents We love the world. them so much. Yes, and I it's think you know that. It's just that they have more. NPR brain. Yeah, so um, I, was, I was on a walk with Dad the other day, and um, did you listen to the episode that Rogan had with the woman from North Korea? Yeah. I don't, I don't know anything about her, but I just, you know, he's not on YouTube anymore. So I listened to a few clips because I don't know. They make it very hard to know about North Korea unless you like do your research, which yes. you probably have done. Not really. But, um, you know, I had seen that one Vice documentary like 10 years ago where the guy I remember that in, one. And it was like, no one was there. And it was like a, a, I, now I know what vice is, but at the time I was like, oh, wow, it's like, it's, this is crazy, but they don't show you anything because it's this model part of the country, right? Pyongyang. Something like that. Yeah. That's the capital city. Yeah. And there was like no one there, but it looked beautiful and flawless and everyone was like, oh, we love, we love him. We love him. Like it's weird shit, yes. you know? So anyway, she was um, when she was being interviewed by him, she was saying like, oh yeah, you know, and how she was explaining how they escaped. They had no, um, electricity or water. She said they were in a, it's a whole country that's in a constant state of starvation. And, um, am I, am I? No, you're good. You're okay. fine. You're fine. I just um, and basically like, I didn't even have to listen to the whole thing to know how brutal it is because she's a survivor and she was saying how like an example was that she was um, playing outside with her sister and um, something to the effect of she would just see dead kids all along the river and like on the ground. I saw that clip, yeah. And it was like nothing. She had no, no feelings because that was her day to day. And she was like, now that makes me so sick because whatever. So you saw it. Um, and so I had told dad about it and he was like, kind of like, wow. But then he was like almost trying to defend North Korea in a way and to, and like, 
and then just bringing it back to Trump, Donald Trump, and how he's so crazy because he was trying to befriend whatever, and 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 like it just this is not making a lot of sense, but the point is that like <laughs> the point is that um, that's an example of like, and when I when I talked about how China with the um, what are they called the camps with. The, the Uyghurs? Yeah, the Uyghurs. <laughs> the They're throwing white guys with do-rags <laughs> into concentration camps. Skinny Uyghurs. white guys with guinea tees and baggy pants <laughs> and do-rags who are like, yo, man, yo, what the fuck is this? And they're throwing them into camps and they're starving them. And they're killing them, murdering them. Basically, Jared told me about that. I didn't know about it because I don't listen to the news. I don't know what's going on with that or if it's even real. That's the other thing. It might not be real. but I don't know. I don't believe any of it. it So I'm skeptical on either end. Regardless of if it is or isn't, I I talked to mom and dad about it. And and they were like, yeah, but you know, if you want to be in a communist country, they're the best country to be in. Let's be real. I mean, it's so weird. (laughs) Well, that's the thing. So I'm reading this book called, this is what I'm going to do. I'm, I'm, I've done it before on my podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> that's probably a better way. I just, I need to move my legs because I get like my hips get tight, you know? Okay. Whatever, dude. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> I've done it before. There's going to be a new sub podcast within the podcast. Okay. It's going to be called book club. <clears throat> it's a really good idea. I've done it before with other books, but never with in the way that I'm going to do it. So I'm just reading books and annotating, really just highlighting excerpts Mm -hmm. that I'll read for the audience. Because a lot of the times I'm like, oh, this is fucking good shit. People got to hear about this and no one reads. Yeah. My audience probably higher percentage of readers than most audiences Mm -hmm. because, you know, my audience likes to learn. Yeah. But even still, we're talking higher percentage, like probably fucking 5% of the population reads, if we're being honest. I mean, if you throw in audiobooks, which I count that, it's like maybe 25% or something like that. I don't know what it is. Who wants to put a number on it? We could just say generally most people don't read. I don't think that's a stretch. Yeah. I think that's pretty. And even the ones who do, they read like what Oprah tells them to read. So who even knows if it's valuable? I mean, sometimes some of like... The, if you look at like New York Times bestsellers, like if you go in, you know what was interesting? I was at Barnes & Noble the other day and I was looking for a book. Like I read this book called, um, which I have talked about before. Let me just tell you before I go into this story, let me just tell you the idea. It's called Book Club. So every once in a while I'll put out, as I'm reading these books, if I finish a book, I'll put out an episode of Book Club with that book. And you'll just talk about it? I'll just read the excerpts that I highlighted throughout the book. And explain them. And talk about them. Mm -hmm. That's a good idea. That's a good idea, I know. And those episodes will probably be, depends how long the book is, those will probably be long episodes. But it'll be different. Those aren't really intended to be funny. That's educational. Yes. It'll just be like, look, I read this thing and I can't retain it like that well. So it'll help me retain it better and then everyone can learn the stuff that I learned from the book. And then I have to be really, because sometimes I'm like, oh, I'm like highlighting like every page. And then I'm like, well, I'm just going to end up reading them the whole book. So yeah. I'm like trying to be selective. 
Honestly, real quick, I'm not I'm not just being nice here. I've learned so much from you. Yeah, I know. You're I'm welcome. I'm really grateful for that. I know, and you paid me $1. <laughs> your donation was $1, so thanks. <laughs> and you're making me pay you to take me home to my apartment <laughs> after we finish recording this. So thanks. I'm glad you value me so much in the knowledge that I've brought you that you're willing to give me a dollar. Listen, I gave you an IOU, okay? You gave me a dollar. I'll give you like 50 soon. Okay. Just wait. That's more like it. We also got another donation, but I'm, I got to do that on the next episode. He'll get his... Uh, Who? Colin. He's, he's oh. a second time donator. Thank you, Colin. Thanks, Colin. We'll get you on the next episode. This is like, this is a different episode. We'll get you on the next episode. I'll answer his question. Yeah. I also got paid for a comedy show I did last night. I did 30 nice. minutes last night. 30 minutes. That's the longest I've ever done. Because I had to stall for the Where? headliner. He was taking too long to get there. Where? Uh, dojo of Comedy at Tiff's Comedy Club in Morris Morristown, New Jersey. Why don't you ever tell me? Because I want to see you. I haven't seen you in so long. We're getting off track. Okay. Book Club yeah. is coming. I'm almost done with the first book for Book Club. And then I'll do that episode. Okay. I don't like telling the audience about things that Until I'm going to do. Because I never do them. Yes. But this is something I'm actually doing. And I've done it in the past. That's the other thing. I did it with like Ralph Waldo Emerson, Self-Reliance. Didn't you do that with... Um... The... A whole Brave New World, too. I might have done it with Brave New World, and I did it with um, Dostoevsky, Notes from Underground, right? These were a while ago. These were a while ago. And those are really short books, and I... Anyway, this will be like the full book, everything in it, and they'll be mostly nonfiction books, but the first one is by that guy, Krishnamurti. Is that his name? Krishnamurti, yeah. Think on these things. That's what it's called. It's really easy to read because it's, it's funny, just excerpts. I, know that. I haven't read him, but I should. It's excerpts from his speeches. So just listen to the episode. It'll come out soon. Anyway, one thing that he talks about, this is all to bring it back. One thing that he talks about, and obviously this is completely unrelated from COVID. I mean, this book's like decades old. I think it's from the 90s or something. I don't know when he was popular exactly. Well, it was before Ram Dass, and Ram Dass died recently. So, yes. Yeah, so, it's a while ago. It's yeah. pretty old. Yeah. <laughs> He's talking about, um, you can only have freedom if you're not afraid. Like, freedom, I told you this the other day. That's a message that resonates with people. I mean, Me it's especially. a simple thing to say to someone. Yeah. If they're like, well, I don't know, I'm, I'm afraid of this and that. And you're like, okay, but you then you can't be free. That's what That's I told okay. you about how I'm I was I'm starting to get anxious about COVID. The Delta again. variant, Delta yeah. Plus. Yeah. This is like what's amazing about it is that the narrative makes less sense now than it did last year, and it made no sense last year. And now it makes less sense. I mean, you've got people in like Australia getting arrested for doing yoga. You've got people I just saw a video of a guy, they were outside playing hockey in Canada. Of course they were playing hockey. They were just skating on a. They were skating on a pond, and they got arrested. One of the kids, like a young man, got arrested. And the whole time, he's very calm, and he's going, "What did I do? What did I do wrong?" And the cops screaming at him, "Get on the ground!" Obviously, because cops are enemies of the people. Yeah. Even if they don't want to be, even if they don't think they are, the only cop that isn't an enemy of the people are like in France at some of the protests. Some of the cops like put down their batons and marched with the people. That's, That's the only way you can be a cop yeah. and be a man of the people. Yeah. Is you cannot enforce 
unlawful things on the people. You have to know and have a conscience and know when you're doing the wrong thing and then be able to um, go against your orders. Otherwise, you are an enemy of the people, just not maybe not directly yet, right. but you will be when the time comes yeah. and you'll round up the Jews when they tell you to, Yes, you know, or Absolutely. whatever they ask you to do. You'll round up the unvaccinated because that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to pit unvaccinated people against vaccinated people. Luckily, on the dating apps now, it's like all... It's weird, yeah. but luckily, here's one thing that's really good, is because of mm -hmm. the, the, their loss of control over the narrative, and to be honest, they've lost control to the extent, so much so to the extent that I think to myself, are they doing it on purpose? You know what I mean? It's like, they've lost such control of it that I'm like, it almost seems deliberate. It's scary, yeah. Well, so... That's why I get so confused real quick, because It's like, supposed I to confuse you. you. I don't know what is like, especially like with the whole thing with, um, uh, what was it called? That group of conspiracy theorists, you know, the disinformation dozen, is that who you're talking about? No. Um, the ones that were created, I didn't know this, but you had told me that it was, it's the group dad always talks about that they were created by the government to be like a, um, to be one of those confuse confusers oh yeah i mean they do that sure and and i don't know what you're talking about specifically um like O or something q and like on q q yeah okay yeah, yeah 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 that seems to be a government psyop psychological that's operation why it's also confusing that's why like i i can i can see how people can get gaslit even even if they're strong they can get gaslit into believing some of these things. yeah it's easy it's easy it's um, like cultish. It's cultish. One book that I'm going to do for book club is also called um, The Rape of the Mind by Juiced Mirlu. Mm -hmm. Oh, it's good. What is it? Is it talking about that stuff? Yes, but also in a different context. And it's from the 1960s. Okay. I like when you find these things that are older yeah. and they relate entirely. I mean, Joe How Rogan. How do you even find them? Um, one way is Academy of Ideas. That's my favorite youtube channel mm -hmm. and podcast i swear i started following that guy when he had like two thousand followers yeah and now he's got over a million wow. i love that yeah because i always was like wow this is so informative and it's so short the videos are like 10 to 15 minutes i've talked about it many times before my audience knows I need about to start it listening again. but he references lots of books and authors so if i like the quotes You'll from the books up. then i'll go buy a book from them yeah and then I'll read the book. But it's the same way. It's like Chris Hedges is my one of my favorite nonfiction authors. Mm -hmm. And he's like a socialist leftist. But a lot of those people are very valuable. Like, that's the whole point. It's like we have different perspectives on what the answer is. But we both recognize that the current paradigm is horrible. Yeah. That's why libertarians and anarchists and leftists who are real leftists, but not like NPR leftists, but actual leftists they should really just band together for now and then figure it out later why not why not i thought right quote unquote rightists whatever are also like anti well that's government. what i'm saying like libertarian i mean there's also like a group like the libertarians are kind of split between um the ones who kind of understand and but I don't know. I'm not. I'm not so involved in the libertarian shit. Like I don't really. I'm not in a group, and I identify more as an anarchist. And 
But I just I want... know what you're saying. It doesn't matter what people call each other. It's more so like the mentality that's been skewed into these groups. <laughs> yeah. So if you watch, so listen, if you read a guy like Chris Hedges, and I'll do a book club on one of his books, Wages of Rebellion. I'm working on that. I'm reading a bunch of different books at once and just highlighting as I go, because then I'm like, okay, we can get these out, because it's easier that way. But if you listen to him diagnose the problem, like I can listen to him talk about the solutions and I'll go, I don't know if that would work. But when you listen to him diagnose the problem and like what the issues are, you're like, that's right. It's completely right. Mm -hmm. So you can read people who are socialists and hate socialism, but you can still be like, I like this guy. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, I think probably like Cornell West is like more of a socialist. I love Cornell West. So people got to get stop getting so hung up. On labels. Yeah, yeah. You gotta like you gotta you gotta discern where the areas of agreement are. So um I forget what I was gonna say though. Let's bring it back to what I was saying before. Okay. What was I gonna say about Chris Hedges though? I don't know. Whatever. It's not maybe it's important, maybe it's not. We'll yeah. find out. Only in time. What I was saying before that got me on this whole, um, you know, tangent. whatever tangent is um, you have people who are in a state of fear. Mm-hmm. So freedom is not important to them. That's the whole idea. Like if you're if you're fearful, then you can't be free. Mm-hmm. But then also, if you're fearful, freedom is not really important to you because you forgot what it means. Yeah. So you have a lot of people who are like very willing to. Give forego any freedom yeah not knowing what the consequences of that are but have, because they're have afraid a false sense of security yeah yeah and so and then they they get inundated with more fear every day and i mean that's the easiest way to control a society is to make everyone afraid and there now are compounding elements of fear because it's like you now not only have to be afraid of the virus which was the most effective way that I've ever seen of mass propaganda hysteria in our lifetime, at Me least, too. because they did basically the same thing in 1918. I mean, it's like wild because I still feel like we're in a twilight zone, which is perfect to bring it back to the original reason I'm on this podcast. What, for health reasons? We're going to talk about that. We'll get to that. <laughs> okay. This can be a long episode. It's fine. We got nothing to do. Okay. So, okay. So, the, the compounding thing. So first of all, like, yeah, if you can use a virus to make people afraid, then that's the most effective because I've talked about it before. It's like if you're going to make communism the scary thing, then you have to have communists. Yes. And then you have to identify who they are and they have to kind of actually be communists. Like during the Marxist I era. guess, yeah, you could just think they're communists and that's enough, but there still have to be people. With the virus, especially with the scam of the asymptomatic, which like that doesn't happen. People don't spread the virus asymptomatically. But that was such a slick tool. I heard that. That was such a slick tool. Yeah. They're so slick in so many ways. But they go, oh, you can't. So now you have to be afraid of every single person. And if they feel fine, that's a symptom. You know, like I used to have a joke where it's like, have you felt fine for two weeks? That's a problem. <laughs> That's not good. That's not yeah. good. You might have the virus. Yeah. You might be a super spreader. Yeah. So you have to be afraid of every single person. But now they've added the layer like you have to be extra afraid of unvaccinated people. So now you've got to be afraid and you don't know who the unvaccinated people So that's more like the communist thing. 
but it's like a, another layer of fear on top Especially of. Especially now where you go to like stores and you see, please wear your mask if you're, un, or like you must wear your mask, not please. It's masks are required if you're unvaccinated. Yeah. And then you just don't wear a mask anyway, because you just say no. I mean, that's what people got to understand. Like I just stopped. This is a comedy podcast, obviously. So anything I say is a. Uh, not true Same. necessarily Same. it could just be a joke i mean some things i say are true and some things aren't yeah and you have to make an informed decision as to what i'm saying is true or not same goes for me but basically almost all the time when i'm talking about work and my job i'm just joking mm -hmm. people need to understand that that's very important mm -hmm. so i was at work and obviously this is a joke but at work they brought the mask mandate back i don't know if i told my audience about this I, they, I haven't listened to your last two episodes. That's okay. They haven't, um, they brought back them. And I just said, no, I'm just not doing it. And um, so I just don't. But this is the key. What did they say? Nothing. I mean, first of all, um, they sent out the big email and there was the HR person. Obviously, this is comedy and this is a joke. Yeah. And I sent an email to the HR person and then I said, um, I just said, I have concerns about the mask. And I said, um, I just said all the things that they say. I said, I'll play your game. And I said, clearly the vaccine is effective. It's preventing people from being hospitalized. It's preventing people from being severely sick. Mm -hmm. I thought that was the whole point. I thought we understood that the virus could still be spread. And potentially. what did they say? And, I, and then I said, um, I didn't want to say this last year because of the um, gravity of the situation. But I always felt lightheaded when wearing the mask for too long and I would get headaches shortness of breath mm -hmm. and i said last year I, I felt like i could just suck it up and deal with it but this year being that most people are vaccinated and the risks are significantly reduced mm -hmm. i no longer feel comfortable wearing the mask Good. as it creates all these issues that was a great way to put it yeah so in, that's what i joke. said yeah and then the hr person was like oh i'll have to call you and we'll have a chat never got a call good so, but I just, I went, I did my part. Mm -hmm. I let them know my concerns and I'm not wearing the mask. Yeah. I'm just going to go do it. Good. And we'll see what they decide to do if they do anything, which they haven't. Good. So they've done nothing. And, <clears throat> but that's the key is like, you just, you just have to carry yourself like that. This is what's, this is fine. Like what I used to do was like, I'd wear the mask. And just and put it, it below down. my nose. That's but even then, worse. but then anyone who sees that can go, "Hey, you have to cover your nose." Yeah. You can't be like, "Oh no, I'm medically exempt from covering my nose." Yeah. You can't do that. Yeah. They're gonna be like, "What are you talking about?" But if you just don't wear it at all, you don't wear it around your neck, or around your chin. You just take it off entirely and don't wear it. Then anyone who sees you just assumes. Oh, he must have a medical exemption. Or and be you're, vaccinated. Or, or whatever. But even now in the office, even if you're vaccinated, obviously this is a comedy podcast. Yeah. But even if you're vaccinated, you have to be wearing a mask. Yeah. And, um, but that's, a, so you just don't. And you just carry yourself in a way that you're like, I'm not supposed to be. And it's fine that I'm not. Because you don't have to do anything that you don't want to do. Mm -hmm. And I don't give a fuck. If they're a private business and if they want to make a problem, then they'll have to fire me, but I'm not going to quit. They have to fire me. Good. So anyway, which then you could probably sue for wrongful termination. Well, all like the legal thing, it, it just takes so long, but it's yeah. like, those things are going to start happening. I mean, it's like a good point that someone brought up where well, it's wait, like, hold on real quick. 
mom and dad did i don't know if this is true or not but mom and dad said that certain like corporations like nbc are are mandating it and, and they said that <laughs> they can because they are private so they can do what they want is that true well that's the question i mean like it depends so we'll see what happens mm -hmm. i mean they're all going to get challenged in court a lot of lawyers are going to make a lot of money off these things but that's the thing it's about employment so it's a little bit different you have to make a distinction this was actually i was listening to andrew schultz's podcast and he's a comedian yeah. And um, he has oh, a guy yeah. on his podcast, and I forget his name, but he brought up a really good point. So it's like, on one hand, and he also brought up the, the baker and the cake for the gay I'm person. I'm just going to get my water. And that is a, um, where's the, okay. That's a consumer and a business. And the business is saying to the consumer, no, I'm going to refuse you service based on my religious beliefs. But it would be a different thing if the baker said, no, I'm not hiring you because you're gay. You understand? That's a major distinction. So when it comes to employment versus just consuming, that is like a distinction to make. So I don't know. Like that's a way stronger case for someone who wants to sue a company. If they're saying, no, I'm being medically discriminated against because they fired me. Mm-hmm. As a result of not having a vaccine. It's not like I went to this business and they wouldn't let me in because I don't have a vaccine. And that to me is still medical discrimination. But it's way different than like, no, this place that I worked at took away my source of livelihood and my ability to, you know, sustain my life because and have money. The problem is they get pinned on something else. Well, we'll they see what happens. They quote unquote, not performing or whatever. Well, I guess they could, but then they'd have to prove that. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. It's like, you know, I listen to a lot of these um, law people because like what you learn about the law is like, there's just law theories and then people practice the law based on those theories. And it's just that most people, similar to like the whole doctor thing, like most doctors are drug dealers, you know what I mean? And surgery salesmen. And Especially the psychiatrists or drug dealers. Yes. Yeah. yeah, so they just want to prescribe you things so they can make money. But that's the way they learned. So it's not even necessarily it's not that their they fault. Yeah. Some of them it is their fault, but then others it's not. Yeah. And they just like were taught that way. So that's the way they're operating. And it's the same with the law. The law is no different. And mm -hmm. so and most people learn, oh, like I'm an attorney and I have a you know, and I'm a bar um um, what do they call it? Like bar association? Yeah. Whatever. They're like, I'm in the bar association. I'm an attorney and I practice law. And they're practicing they law based the on these theories that are based on case studies. So they go based on legal precedent from case studies. But there are different theories and different ways you can utilize the law. And it's really interesting if you get a... Uh, they're so expensive. I want to get a Black's Law Dictionary, which defines all legal terms why is it so expensive? it's a different language because they don't want you to know it i mean for one thing they don't want you to know it but they're also big fucking dictionaries you should get and they're nice hands on that. i'm yeah. telling you dude they're like 275 dollars. i mean i'm trying to find one that's cheaper but it's so worth having if you want to like really understand the law because you always like we always outsource things it's like if you're in trouble you got a lawyer exactly but who's going to have your best interest even if you're paying them well you're going to have your best interest always, like better than anyone else. Yeah. And especially if you get like a public defender where they're just being paid by the state mm -hmm. and it's like they're just, 
I mean, that they, they might do you more harm than good. And they're also bringing you into that system, into their jurisdiction, the state's jurisdiction. But there are actually different jurisdictions. And, you know, some people know it as like sovereign citizens and like, but that's only one thing. And some of those people are a little nuts and they don't really know exactly what they're doing. And they just like come, some of them are like looking for a fight and they'll like purposely take their license plates off their vehicles, knowing that they'll get pulled over just so they can get into a battle with the cop and like school them on like what common law is or equity law. Mm -hmm. I was listening to a really good, so there's a podcast, you know, it, Matt Belair, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Matt Belair. Um, That's the one I listen to most of the ones you've sent me. Yeah, I love that podcast. And he just had a guy on. This guy was like, so you get into this world of law and like alternative theories of law and the practice of law. And it has to do with common law. But even more importantly, it's called equity law. And I'm like still new to it. And so I can't really effectively explain it because it's very confusing. It's like you start to learn that like, Oh, it's fucking stuff that'll blow your mind. It's like you're like incorporated at birth through your birth certificate. It's like you're you have like a like based on your social security account. It's like so weird. This guy was saying like you could legally defend yourself. It's so weird. <laughs> it's like you have I can't. To send me that. I know. Well, yeah. I'm gonna just tell it right now, and I'll put the link in in the bio. I, I mean, in the, in the show notes. For, <laughs> okay. I'll put the link in the show notes for this episode. Okay. So it's the newest episode. Master Mind, Body, and Spirit, Matt Belair. It's still available on Apple Podcasts. You can still listen there. Otherwise, you got to go to his website or go on Odyssey. By the way, Odyssey is a great alternative to YouTube. Really? Yeah. It's like really good user interface and stuff. Like They have videos? Yes. Ooh, I got to go Odyssey. O-D-Y-S-E-E okay. -E or something. Okay. Um, the newest episode is Robert Michael, Law, Justice, Freedom, Understanding, and Empowerment. So is if anyone's interested in this, he's not a lawyer. These mm. people aren't lawyers. Wow. But they understand the law better than most lawyers do because lawyers are taught in a specific way curriculum. for them to not understand what the law is. Because like the jurisdiction of the federal government, for example, is is beneath the jurisdiction for like common law. And equity law, which are established via like the 1611 King James Bible and things like this. It's like when the government says, um, think about the government and the role of the government based on the Constitution of the United States mm -hmm. and the Declaration of Independence. Mm -hmm. And it's to preserve rights. It's to preserve rights. It's not to give rights. If the government gave the rights then the government is the ultimate jurisdiction because mm -hmm. that is the purveyor of human rights. Right. But based on our constitution and every country that operates under this common law principle, which by is people, derived from England. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So given that these are inalienable God-given rights, whether or not you believe in God is irrelevant. They're, they're given to you by a higher power. And they're, they're, it, those things are there to protect and us. And then the government is supposed to uphold, uphold yeah. which they obviously they do the opposite, but that's modern government and that's tyrannical government. And that all starts really, I mean, really it starts from the beginning, but especially Abraham Lincoln really 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 set precedents for the government to be able to take away your rights wow if you're acting against the government and then the idea of like emergencies you know he he was the first one to really 
you know, he threw tens of thousands of people in jail for speaking against the government during the Civil War. Things like that. So crazy. And he then... Was just taught how good he was. Oh, it's such a lie, but you can't talk about that because you know, you're a white supremacist racist. <laughs> I mean, it's crazy. I started to talk about it a little bit. And this is why I have to buy this guy's book. Don't you feel racist now that you were him for Halloween? <laughs> oh, I but I pull it off so well. So that's different. I have a good beard, so I can do... Like, I could dress up like Abe Lincoln. <laughs> All I'd do differently now is I'd act like an asshole as a blanket. <laughs> I'd be like, what did you just say? You're going to jail. <laughs> I'd be like, four yeah. score and seven years ago, I threw a bunch of people in jail because they were talking mad shit. I don't know. I would say something like that. So anyway, okay. That's why I got to get that book because I'm not going to read, I'm not going to just say this stuff without having receipts. Like I need to have receipts because that's dangerous territory. I mean, I don't even want to go there. That's what I'm saying. I mean, I'll say whatever. COVID is a scam. It's the biggest scam of our lifetimes, but I don't want to talk about this whole civil war shit that I'm learning about unless I have receipts specifically. I mean, like he was obviously, but that's the other thing. It's like, he was obviously deeply racist. When the the northern soldiers went into the south and burned down these, you know, farms. And some of them were just farms, not plantations. And only like 3 or 4% of the southern population owned slaves. Yeah, but if they were freeing slaves, what do you think soldiers do? You know, the same thing they did in Vietnam and stuff. Like, you know, a lot of those black people, before they got freed, a lot of the women got raped a lot of the men got brutalized and stuff. I mean, these weren't like, you know, saints who were walk, who were going, who were marching south, destroying the entire southern part of the country. These weren't saints. So people got to understand that. I just think about, though, how, how young the indoctrination starts because we learned this stuff in middle school. Yeah, well, and then you oh. you learn to hate the South. Like, you learn to hate Republicans. It's terrible. And the I mean, it's, and then it's the irony of people in the North being like, um, well, I watch NPR, <laughs> and um, I'm very open-minded, and everyone south of the Mason-Dixon line is racist. <laughs> and I know this because I'm so open-minded. I've never been there. <laughs> but I know that everyone who lives in Alabama hates black people and wants them to die. I know because I listen to NPR. <laughs> That's what they do. I mean, like, they're like, I'm so open-minded that I think everyone I don't like is racist. Because I'm so open-minded. I would never speak to them. Why would I speak to a racist? They don't deserve my attention. I know this because I listen to NPR a lot. And they tell me that I'm right, and I know that I am. And I'm very smart. I Have used you ever to be one that? of those people. I used to listen to NBR all the time, dude. Me too. I mean, like, that's because that's the thing. It's like I can understand these things because I was there. Yeah. It's like it helps to have been there. Yes. I was woke. Yeah. And then you get out of it. I used to read all those history books. I loved history. I, know. I still do love history. I just am more concerned with finding out what the real True. history is. Yeah. And then what you gotta always tell people is like history is written by the winners. That's obviously a cliche thing. But that applies to everything. Mm-hmm. That applies to every war. That applies to the Civil War. Mm-hmm. Okay? So the North wrote the history. And that's why you get a completely warped view. It's the same with World War II. And World War II, Jesus, I mean, that's an even touchier subject. Obviously, through my comedy, I, I go there. Mm-hmm. And people think I'm totally joking when I say those things. And sometimes I am. And sometimes I'm kind of joking. Yeah. When you talk about things like the Holocaust and stuff, you cannot go there. 
You of can't course. be skeptical. Yeah. But that's so wrong, the idea that you can't go there. Yeah. But anyway, and then it's just like the idea of like the Nuremberg trials were like a scam. Because we took so many of the Nazi leadership and head scientists and stuff, people who were developing missile technology. The Nazis were the first ones to have missiles. You know, before that you were just dropping bombs, like bombers, like just dropping bombs. But then you had these rocket propelled missiles. Mm -hmm. The Germans created and developed that technology. Mm -hmm. So we took all those German engineers and we started NASA, right? That was called Operation Paperclip. But they also went all I over Europe. So a lot of people don't know that, but yeah. V Werner, Werner von Braun, I think is his name, was the head of NASA. He was a Nazi. He was a Nazi scientist. Wow. But we said, it's cool, man. Just make the rockets for us and you're good. And wow. And then there's the idea. It's like, what are all these people going to say? You know, if it turned out that um, what these people are doing, I mean, obviously it's unconstitutional. It's unlawful. Mm -hmm. If they're ever held to account, what would they say? I'm talking about right now, the leaders who are like um, doing all these COVID restrictions and... Um, you know, foregoing people's individual human rights. Mm. What would they say? Well, there was an emergency. We were just following what the the CDC was saying. We were just doing what the... the, the we didn't know. We, we were just doing like, what they were saying. for example, making ivermectin not available. Yeah, and these and, people should be... Um, like, Fauci should should be in jail. Doctor, yeah, and putting doctors in jail for yeah, helping people. But what would they say? They said, we, didn't, we didn't, I was just, you know, I was doing what this guy was saying, I was doing this. And then that's the same with the Nuremberg trials. And like, there's a book by um, Hannah Arendt and she's a pretty famous um, political philosopher. And she wrote, she has a book that I, I never read it. I only started reading it. It's dense. A lot of her stuff's dense. She, it's called like the origins of totalitarianism. Definitely would be worth reading right now. Yeah. But I don't, I don't really have the time to read those really dense books because it's just like, it takes me so long. They're hard to read. Yeah. She's got a different one called... it takes you long? But I'm not even that fast of a reader. I only read fast when I do the fucking, like, I listen to an audio book while reading the book. Yeah. And then you can, you can go through them really fast and that way I can, like, annotate them as I go. But I had to cancel my audio, I mean, Audible Why? account. Because they fucking locked my account for six months. I get banned from everything, dude. I'm telling you. Wait, why did Audible ban you? Because I, I kept returning books. I didn't think that was a bad thing. Like, why would you have an Audible account? I'm, we're, we're digressing right now. I think I, I might have told this story to the audience. I thought you can do that. I thought that's the point. You just keep bring, okay. giving them back. I'll tell you hands. exactly what happened quickly. Okay. When I got the account, like I had an Audible account, and then I said, you know what? I don't want to keep paying $15 a month because that's expensive. Mm -hmm. And I only get one credit a month. So I canceled my account. And then I went to exchange an audiobook. And the person who was helping me was like, oh, no, you don't have an account anymore. You can't do an exchange. And I was like, what if I get an account? And they're like, oh, yeah, then it's no problem. So I was like, okay, word, I'll get the account again. So I got the account again and restarted it. And then I'm like, whenever I finish a book, I would exchange it. Because why? Because that means you're just paying $15 per audiobook, which they're like $15 anyway. I'm like, what would be the point of having a... And no one's going to want to keep an audiobook. No. What, what are you going to do with it when you finish it? What the fuck <laughs> is the point? So, so I was just returning them. And then all of a sudden, the last time I went to return, like three audiobooks that I finished, and I went to return them, and the person said... Oh, man, you made too many returns. Your account's locked for six months. And I said, 
what are you talking about? I said, no one told me that was a thing. <laughs> I'm trying to explain this person who's like obviously in India. <laughs> and like the people who I talked to were like being very nice about it. But I was like, was it, were you going to even mention that? Like, hey, you're you're getting close. Maybe it's in the fine print somewhere. It, it is. That's the thing. But I was told by a representative of Amazon. Oh, you can totally exchange that. They were like, oh, yeah, it's like fucking, fucking cool, man. Yeah, it's fine. As long as you have an account, you can exchange as much as you want. So anyway, then I, I was like, um, can you, I was like, okay, just lift it. I was like, just lift the, uh, I was like, that's fine. Just lift it. The six month ban. And they're like, oh, we can't do that. It's automated. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And they're like, it's just a computer system. Just banned you for six months. And I was like, just lift it. And they're like, we can't. And I was like, so the computers run Audible? You guys have no power over the computers? And they're what like, no, we just, don't. What if you just make a new account under a different email? <clears throat> I mean, I could do that. I got, like, I still had a few credits. So I just spent all of them. I haven't finished all the books yet. I mean, one book that I got is called The Creature from Jekyll Island, which is like a very famous book about the Federal Reserve. And then, like I said, I'm reading Confessions of an Economic Hitman right now. This is so bizarre, though. It's, that they would do well, that was just like a silly thing because it's like they're, they're giving you a non-physical product. So the idea that you yeah. can't exchange it is silly. And why because I'm going like keep an audio book? Yeah, but it's sense. also like you're not losing anything. Like if I kept buying... Like one time I bought a pair of boots from Amazon and they put them in a place where I did not think they were going to put them at my apartment when they delivered them. So I thought they didn't deliver them. So I wanted a, a refund and they're like, can we just send you a new pair of boots? And I'm like, yeah, word. And they sent a new pair of boots. Then I found the original boots and I had two pairs of boots, right? But if I kept doing that, the boots didn't arrive, the boots didn't arrive. And they were like, dude, fuck you then. We're not sending any more boots. I would understand that because that's a physical thing they're sending. And they are losing money, even though it's only a little bit. They know that. Every time lying. they're losing money. But if it's an audiobook, it's just an audio file. They're not... And you're still paying a monthly fee. Yeah, they're not losing any money by allowing me to exchange this. But let's digress. Oh, yeah. But anyway, to bring it back to Confessions of an Economic Hitman. Because um, I remember I, I started to say something at the beginning of the episode, but I don't remember exactly what I was going to say. Oh, yeah. So this is what they always do. And this brings it back to Somalia. Wow. We're tying things together. <laughs> how, I want to see how long we've been doing this for. We're in an hour right now. That's good. We're going to keep going. Should because we break this into two podcasts? That w is a part good idea. Part one and part two. No, not part one and part two. We'll do two different episodes. Because we didn't talk about health yet. yet. So that we'll do a second episode that will be only about that. Next. Yes. So okay. let's keep talking though. Okay. This is great, I'm telling you, because this way I can get, I can put one out today, wait a few days, put out the other one. That, that's a move. And everybody let Dave know that you want me to be back on the podcast if no, you just, like having me on. Okay, how about this? If you like having Rachel on, make a donation to my Venmo, David-Namery, which and is also in the show notes, and just say Rachel. Rachel. Yes. And then if... A few of you do that, then we'll have another episode with Rachel. But you got to pay for it. <laughs> you got to value for value me. If this is something you enjoy and you want more of it, well, okay, look, man, I, I need some money. 
Okay. And I need I want to, you to support the podcast. For me, it's more so I don't want the notoriety because I don't want anyone to know I'm doing What do you mean this. notoriety? I don't have that many listeners. <laughs> I just want to speak my voice. Speak my voice? What else would you speak? <laughs> you know what I mean? I okay. just want to have a platform. So anyway, um, <clears throat> they would go in. This is the whole idea of an economic hitman. And they work for these corporations that are multinational corporations that are involved with governments, heavily involved with governments, especially the United States government. But they're all involved with the international banking system and things like the IMF, which is the International Monetary Fund. I don't even know what that is. I know yeah, what see, I mean, there's all these international organizations that have that are directly related to banking. And then you start to realize that. Well, the economic system is the root of all this authoritarianism. It's like it all comes from the... That's the root. Well, that's what you told me. Like that... Something about the Federal Reserve. Yeah, I mean, that's like... That's a whole really deep rabbit hole, the Federal Reserve. But basically, what you got to understand is... Anytime someone has come into uh, a position of authority or power and has decided... They get rid of them, usually, or they just wait it out. When When a president says... The United States is going to issue its own currency. And that's in our constitution that says that one of the duties of government is to issue government-backed currency. And so basically it would be like the government issues dollars that are backed by government guarantees that that money is viable, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And they would, um, so if, also if you want to get a loan, you wouldn't pay interest on the loan, mm-hmm. Okay. Because it'd be coming from taxpayer money. So it's like the government doesn't have a... Uh, what would the word be? They they don't have a right to... It's the same way... I mean, it's like even just the idea of regular banking. Like you want to take a loan out from a bank and they say, Okay, we'll give you $100,000, but you have to pay 8% a year in interest. But you're saying to, you're thinking with the bank, you go, Wait, why do you have money? Why does the bank have money? Because everyone puts their money there. So whose money are you getting? In this loan, you're not getting the bank's money. You're getting other people's money. Yeah. So why does the bank have a right to make interest on money that's not theirs? And that's like the root of the whole scam. And it's very simple. Because then you're thinking, okay, well, maybe the idea of interest is not that bad. But then why don't other people, like, if I'm getting my 100000 from this guy, Gary. Like, let's say this guy, Gary, put $2 million in the bank. And then the bank took 100000 from his $2 million and gave it to me for a loan. And then I'm going, okay, fine, I'll pay interest on it. Give the interest to Gary. Because he's loaning me the money. You guys have nothing to do with it. Right. You're just like a vessel. You're just like there as a safe. That's what a bank is. It's a safe. Keep your money safe. That's what a bank is. So you don't have to stuff it under your mattress. And people don't come to your house and rob you. Right. That's the whole point of a bank. So then the, the Federal Reserve is basically like the United States, when they get these big, for example, they just did that like $1.2 trillion. Remember that one? That's where we got the $1,200 checks, I think. Yeah. Which I finally just got last week. It took them a year and a half to get me that money or whatever, a year. Dad told me. So anyway, that's not the government going, okay, print $1.2 trillion. That's the government going to the Federal Reserve Bank. Which is not a government bank. It's an independent private bank Mm -hmm. that is part of this international banking system. Mm -hmm. And the United States government is going to the Federal Reserve and saying, hey, 
can we have $1.2 trillion? And the Federal Reserve says, okay, and here's how much interest you'll pay on it. Now, obviously, when you're dealing with gigantic sums of money, you'll never pay the amount that of the interest that's going to accrue. That's why you can never pay it fast enough. Debt, right? Yeah, that's why we're like debt slavery. But they actually can enslave entire nations. And then part of these economic hitmen's job was to put these countries to go there and be operatives to put these countries in the system of banking control. And they're able to do this through. Um, and one of this guy's jobs, his name is John Perkins, the guy who wrote the book, and he was very high up in this company called Maine. I think the company's just called Maine, and it's like a, they do these big infrastructure projects, especially with like electricity, bringing electricity to like impoverished nations and nations that want to build up infrastructure. And, you know, so they'd go in and he'd make all these projections like, oh, you're going to have this much growth over this many years. But the way he describes it, he's like, he could just make shit up and fudge numbers. He had a boss who was like over it. It was this old guy. And this was when he was younger. And the boss was like, kind of tried to get through to him. and was like, you know what we're doing is bullshit. He's like, I crunched the numbers here. They're going to make 7% growth. Your numbers say they're going to make 20%. And you know, that's a lie. You know, he was trying to tell him like, you're doing that so that the company can sell the product. And it's just complete bullshit, but they can do whatever they want. They can fudge numbers. That's what the economic hitmen do. And then they're doing sales basically. And they're trying to sell to this country or the leaders of these countries. Like, look, man, it's going to be fucking awesome. All you got to do is agree to our plan mm -hmm. and we'll, and then, so they'll also loan them money. Oh, you need help paying for this big project? No problem. We'll loan you the money too. So then they're like loaning money to pay for this project. They'll get the money back from the loan and they'll get the interest and they get to do the project themselves. So these multinational United States based companies, a lot of them are US based, are making all the money. And then the whole plan is just designed to basically make people richer who are already have the power in the society. It doesn't actually help people within the society. And then they talk about GDP growth, things like GDP. That's like an average. I remember learning that in economics. It's a bad way to judge because if, if you have a, let's say you have a poor nation and then you put in like an infrastructure plan that makes the top, very top tier of the country way richer, then the GDP goes up because it's just an average. But everyone's still poor who was poor before. It's just that now the rich people are more rich. That's all it is. So um, anyway... They would go in and they'd start these projects. And this was one thing that they did um, that the U.S. government would do to like obfuscate what's actually going on and kind of like cover their tracks or whatever. Not, not so much cover their tracks, but they'd be like, okay, so let's say they're building this. He's talking about in Colombia and it's like a mountainous nation. There's a lot of like mountain ranges in South America. And a lot of the time you'll have like cities in the more raised up areas that are higher up and... But it's hard to build gigantic infrastructure for power facilities, for example, in a mountainous region. So they'll build them in the lowlands and then wire everything up, right? So, but when they build in the lowlands, they're ruining people's land who live yeah. down there. And that's where a lot of the farmers live and people who depend on the natural resources and the water supply. Mm -hmm. And then they're poisoning water supplies 
So then you'd have situations where you'd have this company, Maine, or whoever else the contractor is, like the other contractors, and they're going there to build the infrastructure. And then all these farmers go, I'm doing something about this. And then a few farmers get together with guns and they go and they tell the people building, they're like, get the fuck out of here. You can't build. You're going to ruin our land. You're going to ruin our water supply. Get Get out of here. And then the United States government goes... They're communist infiltrators. And they paint them as the bad guys. Yeah, yeah. So then they're like, communist terrorist group involved in X is like preventing um, infrastructure and power going to the people of Colombia. It's completely untrue. It's like a group of farmers. A lot of the time that's what's going on. And it's like people who just, you know, I mean. It's power. That's what power does. Yeah. It's like just crazy how it, it all, it's everywhere like it happens everywhere and then and then that's why you have things like you know how they blame um cows and like meat for and then they try to ban meat and then they're like here's impossible burgers because these are so much better for you and well that also has to do with like bill gates owning like most of the farmland in the united states of america it's so weird and he's so involved in the genetic modification of foods and getting rid of natural foods. And who knows what that's about. I, I mean, I think it's that. probably culling the population of the world. Like, just get rid of as many people as possible. That yeah. seems to be the broader plan. It's yeah. like, there's too many people. We need to bring this down to a more manageable number. How are we going to knock off 3 billion people? You know, you can't do that through a genocide. You have to do it through manipulation of things that people consume constantly. That would be the easiest way to do it. Mm-hmm. Or make people infertile. In whatever way. I mean, Bill Gates made... Who knows whether he knew it or not. I mean, something tells me he probably did know because his dad was the head of a eugenicist society. Yeah. Um, and then he was... I think he was the head of Planned Parenthood, too. You told me but, that, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, um, it's like when he did those... He did these um, polio vaccines that you just went in your mouth. Like, you just swallowed it. Um, and then that made end up making, like, 500,000 girls in infertile. India infertile. That's so you're what, thinking that's like the was, one was in India, the um, polio vaccines. Yeah, and then it it, wow. it also like a lot of the, it also killed a lot of them. It definitely killed a lot of people, but it was mostly it was making them infertile. In terms of like five hundred thousand people didn't also die, mm-hmm. but a lot of them became and then a lot of them got polio. Wow. Oh yeah, that was one other thing that I was gonna say too. Um, people try to people try to make a comparison to polio, which first of all like. This virus is not polio. Like anyone who's trying to compare these things is being completely dishonest. Like polio would paralyze you. You couldn't move your legs. You know what I'm saying? I mean, yeah. if it was like a bad case. Either way, it would severely diminish your... Uh, Physical ability? Yeah, and like your ability to operate like mechanically, your body. <clears throat> so it's completely different. And um, also, like, the polio vaccine, if it does what they say it does, which I'm skeptical of, but let's give them the benefit of the doubt and say that it was eradicated because of the vaccine. Well, that means that that vaccine does not allow for transmission of polio because people don't get polio. People don't get a mild case of polio. Like, oh, there's some polio going around, but everyone's vaccinated, so it's going to be really mild cases and there won't be many hospitalizations. There's just no polio. That's what a vaccine's supposed to do. That's what a vaccine does do yeah. if it's a vaccine. I mean, before they changed what everything means. You know, they changed what a vaccine means. Yeah. It used to mean, like, you're not going to spread this virus. It's not like, 
Oh yeah, I got. I was Catman. I was out for the weekend. I had a little smallpox. It was just a few, just a few pox on my arm. Yeah, yeah. So um, this virus, and then this is like Joe Rogan was talking about this on his podcast, and he's getting fed up. And which is really nice to see because Good. now he's talking some real shit, Good. which I've been waiting for for so long. I'm like, Joe, what's going on, man? You have, you know, you this is a scam he's off YouTube now that he feels like he can be more open. Yeah. But at the same time, he just got like a hundred million dollars from Spotify. So he doesn't want to ruffle feathers too much, I think, or yeah. just deal with the fallout from some of these things. But now he's like, whatever, I'm over it. At least. To an extent. Yes, we love but you, he was Joe. <laughs> It's good. I mean, credit where it's due. Good job, Joe. Yeah. And then he was talking about the study from 2015, which is, again, unrelated to COVID, although I think they knew they were going to roll it out already. They didn't know if it would be called COVID or what kind of virus they were going to choose, but they knew that this plan was going to be put into action. Um, <clears throat> but it was a study from 2015 saying that, like, uh, imperfect vaccines cause the this, which this is like a known thing, like, if the vaccine does not stop the spread of the virus, then it's more likely that you're going to develop oh. new strains of the virus. Right. Most of which will be vaccine resistant. I mean, they would have to be vaccine resistant because they would have had to resist the vaccine to become transmissible again. Isn't it the same idea as like using too many antibiotics and the bacteria yes. resistant? And antibiotic, antibiotic resistant bacteria yeah. yeah it's the same thing and then it just spreads like crazy and then basically what you're seeing from israel and united kingdom and now in the united states and you know like there was that study out of massachusetts like the the regular thing now is going to be breakthrough cases they i mean I, I, like at the beginning when the vaccine's first coming out they're like oh it's so rare so, so rare it's not gonna happen they've been doing Most, this purposely i don't know but most cases are gonna be Breakthrough cases. That's just going to be a regular thing. That's going to be a more common thing. Is going to be a breakthrough case. People who are already vaccinated getting the virus. And then they're creating the new strains. Like the Delta. Who knows if that's real or not. The Delta Plus. But if these are real in the Lambda. It's from if they're the real and they're vaccine resistant. Yeah. Then the logical conclusion would not be that these are coming from unvaccinated people. Unvaccinated people would just get the original wild virus, the original COVID-19. Why would they get a variant that would require the, you know, like it would require the, the virus to enter their body and then mutate. mutate Why would it have to mutate? It wouldn't have to mutate if they don't have the vaccine. That's a really good point. Well, the virus has, yeah, like to become vaccine resistance, there has to be a vaccine because that has to be overcome. Like the virus has to overcome something. And so it'll mutate. I mean, again, like, I don't know if any of this shit is real. Like, I don't even know if germ theory is real. I have no idea. I'm very skeptical of all of it, but I'm skeptical about the alternative theories about it as well. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. It's like with evolution. Like, I'm very skeptical of evolution. People will go, oh, that's insane. Of course evolution's real. The science is settled. They say that about everything. If they say the science is settled, I guarantee you 100% it's not. Well, that's what people who have no understanding say. It's like people who believe in climate change. That's what science is, though. That's why, like, that's why I don't understand yeah. what people say. It's because it's like science is just asking questions. Yes, and then they'll say the science is evolving. In order to avoid saying, see, there's a guy, Anomaly. He's like a rapper, and I follow him on Twitter, and he's great. I think he said this. But whenever they get caught lying, they say, oh, well, the science is evolving. They'll never say we're wrong. And it's like, if they think they're right, and there's not enough evidence to prove that they're wrong, then the science is settled. 
So it's either the science is settled, and then when it turns out to not be, they go, oh, well, the science is evolving. You know what? I listened to NPR, and they said the science is evolving. Yeah. my One of my, um, like, I have different uh, um, rules to, like, look for in a doctor when you're mm. looking for a good doctor and one of them is if they can't, if they've never admitted that they're wrong, mm-hmm. run. Yeah, yeah, you can't trust those people. No. That's why, like, Anthony Fauci is going to, like, he's so willing to lie in, like, to to clear his own name from wrongdoing that he definitely committed. Like, there's no doubt. You can find it all online. And he's so willing to lie that he he's perjuring himself repeatedly when Rand Paul who's been one of the few like decent politicians in all of this because he's been calling this shit out and he's been, you know, pushing back on Fauci for like over a year now. And mom and dad think he's crazy. Well, that's what's going to happen. I mean, that is like, yeah, that's what's going to happen. Like if you're going to push back against the illusion, I told, I told them this quote, will you talk to them for a second while I find this? Yeah. Hey guys. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, I mean, um, you can I, do this. I just think that that if someone can't admit that they're wrong, and that's the whole point of science is to have a hypothesis, and literally the point is to prove it wrong. To try to disprove it. Yeah. Oh yeah, here you go. Okay, so I already read this for the audience, but I'll read it again, and I'll read it for you. Thanks. So this is from Gustave Le Bon. The Crowd, A Study of the Popular Mind. That's what book it's from. I should get this book too. Mm -hmm. Um, The masses have never thirsted after truth. They turn aside from evidence that is not to their taste, preferring to deify error if error seduced them. Whoever can supply them with illusions is easily their master. Whoever attempts to destroy their illusions is always their victim. Okay? So when you got a guy like Anthony Fauci... And you got a guy like Rand Paul, and Fauci is the illusion, the illusionist. He's God. He's the illusionist, yes. And so he is their deity. He doesn't have to be God, but and or like a demigod. He's like a because a lot of people like have turned to politics as a replacement for religion, yeah. and they've turned to science as a replacement for religion, yeah. which is a horrible idea. And um, and then you have Fauci, who is a blasphemer, blasphemer, whatever. He's committing blasphemy because he is trying to challenge the divine um, expertise of... Not Fauci, the Fauci. other one. No, Rand Paul. Yeah. Oh, did I say Fauci? Yeah. So Rand Paul is... is uh, The blasphemer. Is the blasphemer. Yeah. So for that reason, he's a Nazi. Because right. he's trying to shatter the illusion. And they have to, with all of their might, prevent anyone from shattering the illusion because they've attached it to their identity it's part of who they are now. So by trying to attack Anthony Fauci, you're trying to attack them and their identity and the things that they believe. Exactly. And their religion. Yeah. And so that's why, like, you know, and you can kind of understand it. Like, if you if you were to, if someone's very religious and you were to tell them, like, everything you believe is a lie, I'm not saying that that's the case. I'm saying that's like there's a lot of, like, aggressive atheists who do that kind of thing, which is less popular now. But let's say when we were growing up, when we were younger, it was like cool to be atheist and be like counter religion, fuck religion, man, because that was just like an easy place to go. Mm-hmm. 
<clears throat> but if you say to someone who's deeply religious, like everything you believe, they might just like, they might snap or, or they, they're going to be like, la, 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 I'm not listening, which you'll notice that mom does when I, when I yes, challenge her, yes. when I hit strike a nerve, they go, la, 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 no, la. no, she just repeats. Yeah. They go into a feedback loop, which I've talked about. I've talked about that before. I know, before. on your last episode or whatever. Yeah. I do listen. So, um, anyway, yeah, so... So that's why they hate Anthony, I mean, uh, Rand Paul. Because it's an attack on them, who they are yes. at their core. And Fauci, by doing what he's doing, is maintaining the illusion for them as a master illusionist as he is. Because he is refusing to acknowledge any wrongdoing or any fault on his part. It's always the science was evolving. The so, science was evolving. So when they catch him in a lie, such as you were conducting gain of function research, it's definitely true. And he says, no, now he perjured himself mm -hmm. live on TV in front of senators. And so he's put himself in a position where he can actually be prosecuted and it could actually happen. I hope will. it does. I don't think they, they will. will. I don't well, think they will because he's been there for 30 years and he's done horrible things in the past that he's gotten away with too. And they, but, but I the, hope Rand Paul keeps pushing on it because he did perjure himself. But the thing is that he goes by their agenda. So they would never because he I know. is their puppet. But um, like he's the vessel, you know, he's one of the vessels. But like, um, and Jared's told me all this stuff and, and he's shown me like, you can look all of this up even on Google. You can find yeah, it on yeah. Google. Um, but a lot of it's called white papers. They yeah. just release them. They tell you what's going on and what their plans are. Like, I mean, it's that's like the, the wild thing is that people, you guys can look this stuff up for yourselves and it's, but, but people don't want to do that. They don't even know how to do that because they just take it all from the quote unquote media. And, um, that's why they need podcasts like this. Yeah. But also the other thing that you made me think of, and this is why I call your podcast profound one of the reasons is because um, is because it's just bl it blows my mind that that people like those who I shall not name um, these people were talking about the cucks and whatnot they <laughs> they just they just they don't it's not even a fight to give their rights up it's like here you go, please yeah, have yeah. it. And, and it's like, that's what makes them feel safe, like you were saying. Mm -hmm. And it's like, it's like the the people at the top that are controlling all of this, they don't even have to try. I know. All. They probably thought they were going to have to try more. But I also think, like, for one thing, they say that, like, I think what's the latest that they're saying in the United States about vaccinated people? I think they think that, like, over 60% are vaccinated. I think that's a lie. And why would they not manipulate that data? Yeah. Why would they manipulate all the other data, but they don't manipulate that data? And they're being perfectly honest about how many people are vaccinated. They're definitely not. They're trying to do a higher number. So that I more think. people this is just what I think. feel left out. So more people will be like, well, if 65% is vaccinated, maybe I should do it. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I think it's 50%. I'm, I think it's 50-50, straight up. I need to have a confession right now. Because even me, okay, I was in my car yesterday and or whenever it was when I texted you about being afraid about the Delta variant and stuff. And just to be clear, everybody, like I do think personally that 
COVID is a real thing that was created in a lab and that it, it was either purposefully or accidentally released. I don't know how, but I am afraid of actually getting it. Um, but like, um, you know what? I can't talk about this right now. I forgot. So they're listening. Censor yourself. Yeah. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> We're downstairs and, and our parents are upstairs. So. Yeah. So basically, I'm just really happy I'm vaccinated. Yep. And obviously, it's a comedy podcast. So this would fall also on that. Anyway, um, <clears throat> where are we at now? There's still more to say. We're almost at an hour and a half. Okay. That's good. That's good. You know, give the people contact. Give the people what they want. But the, yeah. The only so, thing is I'm going to have to start standing up and... Because after like about an hour, my back starts to hurt. We'll take a break in between. Okay. Soon. Okay. Yeah, so, but that's what I'm saying. And that's what I was relating it to the book that I'm going to do book club on, which is Think on These Things by Krishnamurti. Mm -hmm. That if the only way to achieve actual freedom is to be free from fear, you can't have fear. As long as you have fear, you will not be free. The next step is to discuss how can we get rid of fear certainly i mean it's not but once you understand the mechanisms of fear and control that's why one of the best things you can research during this time is not only the white papers agenda 21 you know like i don't um, even know what that is well, well, and then what was the thing that, um, event 201, event 201 mm-hmm. things like that. You can, uh, you can study that, but it's also good to study more broadly, um, mechanisms of propaganda and mass control. Like one of the books that I, I got two books by Juice Mirlu. One of them is called, um, uh, the rape of the mind. That one's really good. And I gotta, I gotta do an episode on that where I read everyone excerpts. And then the other one is called Delusion and Mass Delusion. I also got um, the book Propaganda by Edward Bernays. And that's different because Edward Bernays was a propagandist and he started like marketing, basically. He was like the inventor of marketing as we know it today and advertising too, to an extent. And um, he's, he's, but he's very open about it. He's shameless about the things that he did. His uncle was Sigmund Freud and he also was involved in like, psychoanalysis psychology and then he used it to massively um it's the same way like okay well anyway and i have i have his book propaganda and so i've been reading that too and then when you see those mechanisms and then you get to see it in the world so you go so so you think like oh well there was going to be a new strain already you knew that so you could have known that as soon as this thing started or like a month or two in you could have been like, okay, this is the way this is going to play out. Like, we already know there's going to be under-vaccinated. That's going to be something that happens next. It's going to be under-vaccinated. Now there's going to be a new... So they're going to say, oh, well, um, there are new rules, too. So only fully vaccinated, meaning booster two, they, they, can, go to the, they can go to the concert. They were just if you're under vaccinated, you can go to the grocery store, but you can't go to the concert. Well, right now, because I, I watch this stuff because I have to being here, um, they are talking about how most likely younger people won't need a booster right now. It's just the older people. That's how they're starting mm-hmm. every few years. Yeah. So and then that's the other thing. It's like you become way less afraid then if you know what's going on from a more broad 
Okay, there's also no, a YouTube channel. Power. Yeah, there's also a YouTube channel called Perspectives on the Pandemic. I think that's what it's called. On YouTube? Somehow it's still there. It might not be anymore, wow. but I watched this like a week and a half ago. Yeah. And there's a professor. Um, there's a professor um, from NYU. Somehow he still teaches there. I think he's still actively a professor, which I could not believe. And he teaches propaganda. I mean, not literally teaches propaganda. He teaches about propaganda, how it's been used throughout time. Since like, you know, we'll say the early 1900s is the main focus mm -hmm. since like World War One. That's where, you know, I guess like it's probably like been used in similar ways, but that's where you have like print media and that's what I learned in undergrad. It's similar enough to the way it goes on today that it's it's comparable. Well, the thing I was going to say is like um, they <clears throat> do teach it in schools because they want us to use those tactics, too. I guess. I mean, it also depends on the professor. I mean, not all of them are horribly indoctrinated. Like, I did have maybe one or two good professors at Montclair when I was there. Yeah. In the political science field. I mean, obviously, like, you'll have a good professor. Like, I, I remember learning, like, kinesiology. And, like, I had a good professor. Because she wasn't, like, what's she going to do? Politicize kinesiology? Yeah. It's just, like, just here's how the mechanics of your muscles and your body works. Right. There's nothing. So, it's, like, yeah, you can be a good professor more easily in that. But then when you're in political science, it's way harder to get good professors because they're politically driven. A lot of them are activists. And they're going to teach you what they want you to know. Mm -hmm. And they're going to not allow you to know things that they don't want to know. Anyway, but this guy, what amazed me about him, and you should go watch this video. It's only like 20 minutes or 30 minutes. And it's about COVID-19 and the propaganda being used currently and his analysis of it, which is why I'm surprised he hasn't been fired from NYU, mm -hmm. let alone, and also had his video removed. But it's very interesting. And then um, No Agenda, which is my favorite podcast, they're always talking about the marketing. So then you, what you find is... Look very carefully, and then it's like, oh, so it turns out that this new strain is more virulent, especially when it. Hey, well, who is it? It's me. Is this mom? We're in the middle of the podcast, mom. How long does this podcast go on? Well, we've been on it for an hour and a half. This is just Pause episode it. one. Pause and, it. No, no, no. Let the people hear. Okay. Do you have anything to say, mom? Could you open all the windows? We'll open the windows. Just okay. Yeah. Va vamos. Okay, so, um, I forget. Yeah, whatever. Okay. Um, love you. <laughs> what were we talking about? Oh, yeah, yeah, So, um, so when they say, okay, well, there's this new strain and it's more virulent and it's especially, um, the Johnson and Johnson vaccine does not appear to be working at all it's against it. Then you're like. Oh, this is Pfizer marketing. Mm -hmm. So then that makes it even less and scary and fearful one, right? because you go like, oh, they're doing a marketing campaign. And Moderna. Sure, but Pfizer appears to be the lead marketers and they're okay. the biggest company and they have the most money to spend on marketing. That makes sense. So, so when you can acknowledge, so when you can recognize the marketing especially, then you're like, oh, dude, this is an ad. Yeah. And then you don't have to be afraid at all about it because it's like, it's the same way that like... Um, it's like seeing a Mountain Dew commercial, you know, like whatever. It's like they're just using fear and they're using the news to advertise. So that's yeah. what's different.
instead of and obviously like all the news channels are funded that's where they get all their money from is pharmaceutical companies yeah that's why every other commercial is for a medicine well i shouldn't even say that for a lot of time just a prescription because like medicine it has a meaning and a lot of these things do not do they don't a lot of the things that doctors sell people like do not that. coincide with what medicine's supposed yeah. to do. Yeah. A lot of people shouldn't call themselves doctors. That's like I would never I like I I call him Anthony Fauci and maybe I've called him Dr. Fauci by accident, but I don't I wouldn't call him Dr. Fauci because he's not a doctor. Like there are certain things you have to do to like doctor has a meaning. It's another meaning change. Yeah, doctor has a meaning and he's clearly not. If you look at the definition of doctor and then you look at the things that he does and the things that he says. He cannot classify himself as a doctor. I don't care if he has a degree you know that says smart? that he's a doctor. I do not give him that title. He doesn't deserve it. It would probably be smart to actually own a, a dictionary from like the 1990s or something. Yeah, well, that's the whole point of why I want to get Black's Law Dictionary because yeah. that also has the de definitions of words. And like there's different, they basically use a different language in the legal system. Their words have different meanings. So they're, they're, anyway. Oh, yeah, but then that's another thought that I didn't finish from earlier is that like you want to, who's going to advocate for, more for your health? Like a doctor who sees a thousand patients a month? I always say be your own Or advocate. you. You're going to have more interest in your own health yeah. than any doctor. So, I mean, the problem is that people have to learn to trust themselves, now, including myself. Yes. Now, here's the last thing that we'll talk about, and then mm -hmm. we'll finish this episode, and then we'll do another one. Okay. <clears throat> On the changing of definitions and meanings of things. So they changed the definition if we're keeping track. Also, I just wanted to say that um, what they'll do next is flu season's coming up. That's going to be a new spike and maybe a new variant, Delta Plus. They'll call it that, but it'll just be people getting sick seasonally. But there won't be any flu, just so you know. Yes, and there might be lockdowns, potentially. But at the very least, it'll be like businesses requiring you to wear a mask, even though that's what the government is telling them to do. And, just and the watch, CDC is running the government. And just watch the, the numbers of the flu go down so much. Yeah, keep an eye on that. Keep an years. eye on that and see if they continue to keep that lie mm -hmm. going. Yeah. Because that will be interesting to see. Yes. Um, what else would they do? Under vaccinated, keep an eye out for that. Uh, there was something else that I wanted to say that's definitely going to happen. And I forget what it was. What do you think it was? I'm just trying to think of things going forward and make some predictions that things that vaccine are likely passports. to happen. Yeah, well, that was a that was a huge conspiracy theory like less than a year ago. All these things that were conspiracy theories are now just accepted truth. Mm -hmm. Of course, you need a vaccine passport. That was crazy a year ago. People have to not forget those things. Yeah, people have to remember several things. First of all, what life was like in 2019. You have to remember that as often as possible. And every time you enter into a place and you see a bunch of people wearing masks, you have to remember what it was like when that was a weird thing. Yeah. When you'd see an Asian person walking around New York yes. City with a mask on and you're like, what the fuck is that about? Yeah. That's fucking weird. You have to always remember that. People will forget. They're going to try to get you forget that. A lot of people already forgot. Well, because you can't forget. Also, the nature, I, I don't remember where I learned this, but the nature of, of our minds and like memories is that we change them as time goes on. Like to fit our mold. That's just how the brain works. Yeah. So like, so we're there, like this is becoming our new normal. 
That's what they're, that's, I mean, that's like an effective phrase too when they call it that. Yeah. It's not normal, but it is new. Yeah. <clears throat> so people have to remember that. And, um, you know, okay, so vaccine, they changed what a vaccine is and what a vaccine means. They changed what a virus is and what it means to be sick. Also, that's the, that's, I highly suggest that you guys listen to the podcast, The Dark Horse with Brett Weinstein. Uh, yeah, yeah. I love it. Uh, it's really good. It depends on the episode, and he's really boring. Well, the ep- problem. Well, the that. episode that he had on with um, the creator. Robert Malone. Yeah, the, I know. And the other guy. Robert Malone's been all over the place, so I would more just recommend people listen to Robert Malone than Brett necessarily. Well, no. The reason I liked that episode is because not only did he have Robert Malone on, but he had the other doctor on who Who's... challenged it even more. Okay. Yeah. That's fair. That's fine. Listen to that episode. <clears throat> so they also changed what it means to be sick mm-hmm. because what used to happen, and I was listening to a podcast the other day where this woman was describing it and she's like a nurse or something. But what used to happen, I mean, just think about these things. is not that long ago. You'd go, you'd wake up, oh man, I feel awful. I have a sore throat, it's really sore. I might have strep throat. And then what do you do? You go, hey, what is it? Is it down? What? Okay, well, things just happened. My, our mom just came downstairs to, to try to stifle our, uh, our truth-telling. Our energy. But also, um, Rachel's now trying to weasel her way out of driving me home, which she agreed to, and I'm going to pay her to do, even though she only donated a dollar to the podcast. I have disc herniation. No, you don't. You're fine. And that's more doctor salesman. You, look at my you allowed it Exactly. You allowed a doctor to sell you the fact that you're hurt when you're not. And all you have to do is do a little qigong. And do a little Eastern um, movement, dynamic stretches, and you will be absolutely perfectly fine. I'm actually fine. on the road to recovery, but we'll talk about that in the next podcast episode. Okay, and that's it's fine. <clears throat> but in, 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 in conclusion, and to just finish, the, the thing that you used to do, and people can't forget this, is that you would wake up and you would feel sick. And you would go, oh my goodness, I might be sick. We, my mom opened the window, so you're just going to hear it in the background. Yeah, it's fine. Sorry about We're that. almost done. Mm-hmm. You would say, oh man, I might be sick. And so then you'd go to a doctor, and the doctor would initially do maybe a rapid test for strep throat, mm-hmm. and they would check your symptoms and see if you have like the little dots in your throat to yeah. see if you have strep. And they'd go, you know what? It looks like you have strep throat, but we're going to take a throat culture. Mm-hmm. And we're going to send that to a lab and we'll call you in two days once they've analyzed it and let you know for sure whether or not you have strep throat. And you do, we'll give you a shot of penicillin. And they wouldn't tell you, you have to stay home for 14 days. No. They would say, just wait till you feel better and then and then uh, maybe if we have to give you antibiotics, we'll give you those and, and just wait till you feel better and then you're, you're good. And it was like, that wasn't even something they would say. It was just implied. Like the doctor wouldn't tell you, you have to stay home. You have no, to stay. You, you would just stay be like, I'm staying home because I feel like feel shit. Good. Yeah. So they changed what it means to be sick. So these are just things to keep in mind. Always remember what they changed and the things they want to be normal now. And remember that they're not normal. This is the most important thing for also people, I think. Also the word quarantine. Yeah, well, just the idea of that too. Like, yeah, quarantine. Yeah, I mean, it's like, whatever. We're done with this episode. Mm-hmm. Okay, so this is it. We're finished. Okay. So thanks for listening. Thank you. We love you. We do. And um, 
We'll talk to you on the next one. This was really good, by the way. I know, right? All right. Bye.